grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. Let's rip open the cover of the sealed section. Welcome to After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Tonight, we're talking to the stars of the hottest show in town. Remy and Skylar feature in The Spiegel Tents, Blanc de Blanc. It is quite a show, and their stories are quite something too. From Royal Command performances to performing alongside the Queen of Burlesque, Dita Von Teese, these guys certainly have some skills. We're going to dive into what Blanc de Blanc is all about and their stories on how they became to be wowing audiences right here in Newcastle in Civic Park. If you haven't got your tickets yet, you really need to get onto this one. But listen to Remy and Skylar's stories. It's certainly a fascinating ride here tonight on After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark, right here on Newcastle Live Radio, brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Well, if you have been bored of sitting in your house for the last two years and you want to get back into society, do I have a show for you? Blanc de Blanc is performing in the Spiegel Tent in Civic Park for the rest of this month. I have been to the show and it is an absolute blast. And it is my absolute pleasure to welcome to After Dark, Remy and Skylar, two of the performers from the Spiegel Tent. Guys, welcome to After Dark. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> Look, it's such a pleasure to have you. I was absolutely blown away with the show and it must feel so good after two years of not much uh, to be back in front of audiences once again. Exactly, yeah. Not much as good as was almost nothing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So especially in Europe, the restrictions were so high, so it was impossible to do any kind of performing events or ever. Um, so, yeah, exactly two years ago, we stopped the tour in Adelaide. Um, and uh, we were back exactly two years after in Adelaide again. Yeah, yes. kind of like a mind trip. It, it almost felt like it didn't happen. Yeah. Like two years just disappeared and went by and you're like, oh. Yeah. Here we are again. <laughs> yeah. We, sk- we skipped two years, yeah. basically. And we were supposed to come to Newcastle two years ago after Adelaide. And it was right before Newcastle. Everything got cancelled. We went all back home and got depressed and yes, and all that. Yeah, cooked banana bread. Exactly. Um, yeah, sat on the lounge. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we are very happy to be back. Um, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. 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 Now, look, uh, Blunk to Blunk, do you want to give people who haven't uh, researched the show a little bit of a summary of what to expect? Uh, it's pretty wild, man. It's yeah. like if you want a crazy night out with your friends or your partner and you just haven't had that moment and you like to drink champagne and see people flying above you and around you and basically on top of you at points. Yes. Like, <laughs> circus, cabaret, singing. It's it's just all this amazing talent put together. And I feel like people come and they're like, I had no idea what to expect. And that just totally blew my mind. Yeah. But it, it feels like a giant party the entire time. And I've had people come up to me and they're like, you, you really look like you're actually having the best time. And I was like, well, yeah, I am. I'm up here with my friends. And we are just like creating this massive environment that's been amazing. 
Yeah, and it's got so many levels to it as well because obviously the the skill involved with the there's there's dancing, there's singing, there's aerial, there's acrobatics, there's uh, comedy. Like you cover the whole gamut, but it's also pretty sexy. And uh, I might tell you that uh, three years ago, our first date with my partner was at <gasps> Spiegel Tent, and geez, did that work? So, um, <laughs> did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. And we were going to go back two years ago before it was it was um, the pin was pulled before the start of the pandemic. Which, uh, yeah. yeah, as you say, I just can't believe that it's just been that long. So, you guys were obviously involved in it. Now, when they when they did pull the pin and everything shut down, did you guys go home? Did you go? Did you stay in Australia? Did you? I go? I tried to hang on to it for a second because we didn't know how serious it was going to be. We were like, oh, like. Maybe they'll pick it back up next week. I stayed in Adelaide for an extra week, and then they were like, oh, you need to get out. Like, the borders are closing. They couldn't find me a flight home to the States because they had closed down L.A. and San Francisco. And so then I went home after about, like, a week and a half. And then I had to stay with my mom because I had rented out my apartment to people. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Staying with your mom in a (laughs) one-bedroom during a pandemic. And, like, my sleep schedule was all off, so I would go to bed at 5 Mm a.m., wake up at 5 p.m., and we were opposite. And I was just like, get me out of here. Yeah, sure. I I, I was trying to escape from everything. I took a camper, actually, a camper van, and I traveled for a month and a half. Um... I went up to Cairns and I took a camper and went down along the coast. And it was amazing because literally all the touristic places were empty. We had the whole camping place. We don't need even to go to a camping place. We could just camp everywhere. Yeah. And we had all the amazing national parks for ourselves and reserves for ourselves. And we did this for a month and a half. And at the end of this trip, we realized, oh, God, they're canceling all the flights and there might be no flight back. And... Um, because it then we realized how serious this whole thing is. We were like, okay, maybe we are trying to get back. And we literally took the last flight back uh, from Brisbane Airport, and it looked like a ghost town, this mm-hmm. international airport. It, lo- it was surreal, actually, to arrive at the airport and like, is this one flight leaving tonight, this very last one? Because I need to know, otherwise I need to, mm. I don't know. Swim over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. So, um, and then we went back. I went back to Berlin and honestly had also a great time there the first couple of months because Berlin is a very touristic, my hometown is a very uh, touristic place and it was amazing to enjoy a beautiful summer without too much tourists. People, too <laughs> much tourists. But then after like a good half a year, we all were like, okay, this seems not to end and it's going to be much longer than we expect. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then here we are. And so, then the Great Depression. <laughs> no way. I feel like I thrived during COVID. Like, LA had some serious lockdowns for a minute, but America was pretty lax overall. Yeah. So we just camped for, like, a year and did road trips and stuff. I tried to make the most out of it because, yeah, like, the national parks were all clear. And then even some tourist sites. I think I went to Graceland to see Elvis's house, and it was just me and my friend, and we had the entire place to Oh, ourselves. nice. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, look, the we come back out of lockdown and you guys, are, I would assume, you become like a family very quickly because you're touring um, in very close proximity to each other uh, for an extended period of time. So how was it bringing the band back together? It was really nice. Yeah, Adelaide was a kind of reunion, really. Everyone was so excited to be back in in what we really love to do, in a show we really love to do. We know that the people love it, so it's really like, yeah, 
yeah. very nice comeback. Um, very exciting. Adelaide Fringe Festival, where we started, is a very intense uh, season with lots of double shows, with lots of parties around our own party we have in our tent. Yes. So uh, pretty exhausting, but <laughs> exciting. And yeah, so... Uh, no, it's like a family reunion, you can say this. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, when we come back, we're going to be diving into how Remy and Skylar actually became to be performers in Blanc de Blanc, and it's quite a story. We'll be right back on After Dark. Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton. Welcome back to After Dark, and I am so super excited to have both Remy and Skylar from Blanc de Blanc at the Spiegel Tent here with me this evening. Now, Remy, your story is quite a story in terms of how you actually came to be in the Spiegel Tent in Newcastle uh, in 2022. Now, you're from Berlin, and from a quite a young age, you were interested in theatre and, and performing arts. Um, what drew, drew you to it originally? Actually, we had a, 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 a theatre um, club in school where my big brother went. Um, he was he's seven years older than me, and I watched him from a very young age, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. You can go on this platform and be someone else and yeah. do whatever everything you want basically so i learned uh, about theater and also through my father who's involved in organizing um, theater concerts and everything in this small town where i grew up um yeah so i discovered this world of performing theater concerts music really early i knew yeah i want to do something like this and then i went to this uh, theater club from the school very young mm-hmm. and um um, f- forced the director to give me the principal roles for every piece because I needed I needed to do this really. I Look, I can I can see that I can see that from you. You're very charismatic. I I I'm, you know I can recognize that he wouldn't have wanted to say no to that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, which was a fight always because I'm not good with text actually, really not good. I have uh, I, remembering my text was always a problem, and I remember one specific piece. I was ten or eleven years old, and I forgot. I went on stage and I blacked out, and I completely forgot the scene, and I improvised it. And um, the director went up, went after to me, and I was like, "Oh, he he's gonna be so mad because the whole, uh, the whole other cast didn't know what to do, what to, what to say." And he came up to me and is like, "You have to become an actor. This was brilliant. Nobody knows that this was improvised. Fantastic. So, yeah. And and this was a little sign. I was like, "Yeah, I want to do this." And actually, what I'm doing in Blanc de Blanc is a lot of improvisation. There's always shit happening, yeah. unexpected stuff happening. Audience re- um, reactions are always different, so we have to. Re- react on it and um, I I really I love these moments of improvisation I feel like very comfortable in it yeah. yeah now I can I can see that because you do you're so quick if an audience member yells something out to you or or there's a, a certain thing that happens the way that you can react to that is just is just genius like you know not everybody has that so you know it's fantastic that you got to hone that from such a young age and then of course you got into circus acrobatics from that um, which we see uh, in the show as well yeah yeah so the school had also a circus club which I entered with the age of 18 pretty late um, but then 
was this was amazing because in circus uh, it gives you the chance to not just act but also to juggling dance magic and I literally had one show where I was doing five different acts and it was really magic uh, juggling um, pantomime and all this kind of stuff because I as as with the theater like I wanted to try everything and yeah I did this for two, three years, and after school I decided, no, I'm not going to go to theater. I'm actually start the circus school in Berlin, the mm -hmm. state school for circus arts, ballet and circus arts, actually. And um, because I started so late, normally you start there with the age of 14, 15, yep. um, I could just go for two years. And I said, like, okay, but these two years are going to be pretty intense then. And it was pretty intense, yeah. yeah. They, they um, how do you say... I had a Polish a gymnast, old ch gymnast trainer, and he said, "I have two years, and I have to get everything out of what I can out of uh, what, ca what I can get out of you." So it was pretty intense, yeah, yeah, like five to seven hours training, sometimes a day, um, yeah, yeah. I can imagine because yeah, you you trying to compact all of that training into such a uh, into such a short period of time, but right. you know, um, I'm sure there would have been times when you were like, oh. Like I can't do this again, but you did it. Uh, yeah, you know, to yeah. nail it. And yeah. it's it. The thing is, this world was amazing to me. Like I, I was like on the edge to get into this world of circus. So I was always a spectator, and this is now the transition into one of these incredible people. Uh, rather, if it's the guy of the with, with the red nose and doing funny jokes, or the juggler, or whatever. This was the the door to it. So I really wanted it. So I I went full um, full on. And yeah, and I specialized on Chinese pole, which is yeah. this vertical six meter high pole and um, had two years of very intense training on that. And I uh, graduated the school with this um, on this prop. Yeah. 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 And we see that in the show. And uh, I'm very glad that you are so skilled in it because uh, that pole does uh, go over the audience. And if you weren't good, uh, you would be taking out half of the audience. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Now, um, you also did a performance. I'm interested to hear the Royal Variety performance uh, for Queen Elizabeth II. What was that like? Yeah, so I, after school, I started having a couple, had a couple of solo acts. And uh, in, at that time, Chinese pole was not really um, a big thing in, in Germany where I started the whole, the whole thing. Um, so I could make a name uh, with my acts there. And uh, I started then also a duo act, like two poles. It's called double pole. Yes. <laughs> simple. And it was a very energetic, um, uh, urban and very fresh, unique style of, of, of acrobatics. And then, uh, yeah, through an agent we uh, who offered this to the Royal Variety performance producers, they were like very interested and we got there and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. To be, like this is a big, this was a big thing. Absolutely. And we were, we were just the very small thing of it. We were like with big stars on stage and um, yeah, that was that was amazing. And then, yeah. of course, in front of the royal family, there was a, a special moment. Yeah, absolutely. I it's been it's been a long time. It's like 2012. Yes, it's 10 years ago. I know. Shh, that's so long. <laughs> yeah, you don't look like you, you would have done that performance 10 years ago. You look very youthful. I'd love to know what moisturizer you use. But um, now, there is a part in the show that I'm very interested in, Remy, I, because we've gone through your skill set, which is, you know, quite quite uh, extensive. Uh, but there is a part in the show where you use a piece of your anatomy 
to form rhythm. So I would like to know, when was it that you discovered that your penis was in fact a glockenspiel? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, a uh, classic, classic thing, always when I got injured, because this uh, Chinese acrobatics can be very uh, dangerous, and yeah. I had a couple of really bad um, accidents uh, where to stop uh, the longest was for half a year, which is very depressing. Yeah. Uh, time as an acrobat because you have to cancel all the gigs and a lot of doctors like to say mm, you should maybe look out for another job or whatever yeah so I had to stop and then uh, it was one of those moments where I was like okay I have to use that time to just um, develop something else which I can maybe use later on stage and it was literally by accident um, under the shower I like to do beatbox under the shower because yeah. it sounds so good it does the acoustics yep and I don't know by <laughs> By, I don't know why I started it, like shaking the <laughs> hips so that my glockenspiel makes a, a specific kind of beat. And then I realized that there's something. And I went naked then into, in my, in, my, in my room and said to my girlfriend at that time, hey, what do you think about it? And I did a little demonstration of <laughs> this beatbox mixed with... Dick slap, as it's called, actually. It is. It's, Dick it's, slap. We're, we're going to call it what it is. Or penis it, percussion is a little bit more I love penis that. percussion. Yeah. Penis percussion. That's classy. Yeah. I like that. Let's and I showed, that. I, sh I showed her this, and she said, like, this is crazy funny, but how do you want to do this on stage without being completely naked? And this is also the magic. So uh, you don't see me actually slapping it. That depends on what seat you're sitting in. Exactly. Absolutely. I was about to say I'm on the side. I was on the side. Yes. Um, A lot of yeah. people get to see that I'm actually doing it. But the, I think the magic is so. Also, I don't want it that it, it sounds a little bit. If you tell people who have no idea what I'm doing, they're like, that's pretty vulgar and why is this guy? I mean vulgar it's just it's funny but it's funny it's also yeah. um, okay you mean you're naked and you have a microphone in front of your penis and then it's like I don't know and I said no I wanted to like make it a little bit more um how do you go tasteful, <laughs> tasteful. exactly exactly <laughs> so I, uh, I cover this specific part with just a flag and <laughs> then we've realized by actually trying it the first time in front of audience that this is the magic that they don't see me slapping they see me just doing this this hip move and yep. then you hear the sound and they're like and they know exactly what's happening behind yes. and this is the magic of it actually yeah uh, which is also a problem because a lot of people think like oh it's pre-recorded or like uh, yeah. stuff like this and it's actually a real sound. Yeah. Well, I had I was on the side, and obviously, like I have a background in in music, and and I know what microphones do what, and I knew that you had a shotgun microphone, and that microphone was on, and then I was sat at the side, so I did have people going, "Oh yeah, that was pre-recorded." I'm like, uh, 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 uh. No, it was not pre-recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it was it was so clever, but it was just I, my my curious brain went, "I wonder how he worked out he could do that." Yes, you know. Um. So it's really like an accident. And then I I tried it, and I, I have a good friend at the time. She literally uh, I saw I showed this last next day, and then she saw it. She went out of the room, and she came back, and she's like, "I um, signed you up for an open stage tomorrow night. You're gonna do it." You have to. <laughs> and I was so. Uh, scared because I've never been that naked in front of people and there's so much who can go wrong and and um, so uh, and we tried it and it was it worked pretty well and so I continued to develop to develop this act and then um, uh, yeah it became one of my main acts and actually Blanc de Blanc casted me with this act first so I worked with the director on many other shows before 
and it was always because of my acrobatic skills and some comedy skills but now really specifically he wanted that act in the show because it fits well I tell you what Remy it works you you knocked it out of the park absolutely (laughs) Um, okay what we're going to do is take a short break and when we come back I am excited to talk to the lovely Skylar who has been sitting here very patiently listening to Remy's story but uh, you have quite a story of your own we'll be right back with After Dark You're listening to After Dark on Newcastle Live Radio. Welcome back to After Dark and I am absolutely thrilled to have two of the cast members of Blanc de Blanc that is in the Spiegel tent at Civic Park as we speak and for the rest of the month. If you don't have tickets, you are missing out. Get back out into the world after lockdown, everybody, and this show will absolutely blow your socks off. Now... It's my delight to uh, have a chat to Skylar Benton. Now, you are an amazing, beautiful and elegant burlesque performer. Um, And it was just absolute poetry watching you on stage. Uh, I'm a trained dancer, so I do know what I'm looking for. And it was just absolutely beautiful to watch. Now, what I want to get an idea of is um, your career is is quite impressive and you've actually worked with um, one of the, I guess, the most well-known burlesque artists in the world, which is Dita Von Teese. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey and how, how you wound up in Civic Park? Because <laughs> oh it's gosh. quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. So I'm a trained dancer, obviously. I um, did ballet, tap, jazz as a young girl and did competitions. And then when I got to high school, my mom's like, okay, you need to choose if you want to keep doing competitions or join your high school dance line. I was like, okay, I should probably make friends at my new school. So yeah. I did the dance line. It was like precision, kick line. And then there like came a point where I noticed that I danced kind of like more in my body and more groovy than the other girls. And yes. my coach literally pulled me aside because I'm from like a very conservative small town Bible Belt America. Right. And my coach pulls me aside and she was like, you are dancing too sexy. And I was like, what? Like, we're doing the same routine. I don't even understand how I'm doing it differently. And I was, like, kind of shamed for moving differently. Yeah. And I was like, I just, like, the girls are, like, not nice to me. And people just thought I moved, like, way sexier than everyone else. And then I was like, okay, I don't really understand what's going on. And then it sounds so ridiculous, kind of embarrassing. But I saw the movie Burlesque. Yes. (laughs) With Christina Aguilera and Cher. And the way they were just, like, glorified for being sexy. I looked at my mom and I was like, I want to do. Now, how did that go down in Bible Belt America? <laughs> well, my mom is from California, so she's like very open-minded, and so we like I wasn't raised like that. I was yeah. just surrounded by that, and I was like, oh, I want to be sexy and like not be shamed for it. And I was like, I want to go to LA and work in a burlesque club. And I was like, I don't even know how that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I just didn't even know how to go about doing that. And actually, I ended up quitting the dance line because it was just so much like drama and stuff. And so yeah. I quit dancing altogether, actually. And I moved to California and I went to school for fashion and then I accidentally just ran upon some burlesque classes. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll just like try that out and see what it is. And I think I kind of had like the upper hand because I was technically trained and a lot of women go into it, you know, just for their own reasons. Yeah. And so I really vibed on these dance classes and I moved into workshops and it was just such like an empowering thing. I started doing that when I was 18 and it was just really cool to like embrace your sexuality and like use that power in your life and um, I never thought it could be a career so I finished out my fashion degree 
and then that didn't end up working out. <laughs> and so I like quit fashion and I was like, okay, well, I want to get into acting. So I just did like this commercial agency and I wasn't booking any jobs and I just, I did like one last audition as a burlesque dancer and they're like, okay, well like show us your best stuff. But I had just learned and I was doing a rock and roll burlesque. Wow, group. okay. <laughs> so it's like so different. So yeah. I went in and I think I danced to like some like Led Zeppelin song and I was like, ah, whatever. And then I never heard anything back for this job. And so yeah. I was going through my quarter life crisis is what I call that. <laughs> so I love it. I was like, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm gonna go to India. And so I fly to India and I'm there for like a week and a half and my agent calls and he's like, right, so you booked the burlesque job. I was like, oh, I'm like halfway across the world. He's like, well, you got the lead role and they're going to fly you back. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was bizarre. I was like, no, no, that's not happening. He's like, yep, fly you back. You need to get on a flight like tomorrow. And so then I was like, okay, I'm like packing all my stuff. And he calls me back a few hours later and he's like, okay, okay, minor changes. Um, You're not the lead role anymore, but they still are going to fly you back. And I was like, oh, I lost the lead role. Like, who did I lose it to? And they're like, well, you lost to... Dita Von Tees. <laughs> She's the lead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. Like, I'm happy to lose to her. Yeah. And so they fly me back from India, and I just go straight into these rehearsals. And, like, it's me and Dita are the main wow. stars of this thing. I was, my this is my first big job yeah. in L.A. And, um... I don't know if you remember at Coachella a couple years ago, they had the this guy make hologram of Tupac. Yes. You remember hearing yeah. that? Yeah. So that guy was making holograms of Dita and I for um casino installment in China. That is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Imagine your first gig, your first burlesque gig, and it's with Dita Von Teese, <laughs> like sharing the, oh, my God, what a start. It was unreal. Yeah. And, like, it, it burlesque, the movie... Had, like has a lot to answer for because prior to that it was like you know oh that's stripping there was no differentiation between the art of burlesque and stripping yeah. and I think that that really clarified it for a lot of people and it was empowering it was about stepping into womanhood you know really working it and and you know when we when we look at those kick lines and we look at that precision choreography it is kind of soulless because you're getting everybody to look the same whereas this yeah. is about self-expression yeah and you know kudos to you for going no that's what i want to show who i really am mm-hmm. and and getting out there and and actually pursuing it so after um i can only imagine that dita um taught you a whole lot about the art of burlesque. oh my gosh actually we didn't have a lot of time to chat we we filmed on different days but i got to go in and meet her and she was so nice to me she's like oh do you want to like show me any videos of you dancing and again i was just starting like i didn't even dance in heels yet because i was scared i was gonna fall yeah so i showed her like this awful video of me like on stage and she was like oh that's so cute (laughs) oh bless her (laughs) and i was like look at me now i've grown so much and i've actually run into her a couple times since and i was so excited when she started following me on instagram oh wow (laughs) and I, i still think i'm like super cool when she looks at my stories and stuff but i actually just continued learning on my own and I feel like my entire career has been based on improv and I just love it because you're just in the moment feeling yourself and the music and the environment and your costume and somehow I've gotten this far doing that. Yeah absolutely. (laughs) So how did Blanc de Blanc come about? So for you. Wow funny story. So I was doing this show in LA 
And this guy had come to see my friend who was in the show with me. And then he actually ended up noticing me and he pulled me aside and he's like, oh, I'd really love for you to come to Miami. And I was like, this is a joke. Like, yeah. he only saw me dance a couple of times, but I'll see if he emails me. And he emailed me immediately and he's like, would love to have you come next month, three days or three nights and um, bring like four acts with you, which I did not have, by the way, because yeah. I improv. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, baby. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> so he's like, yep, I got your like accommodation. Here's your flight, whatever. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like a real job. And so I just fly to Miami and work at this um, place called El Tucan. And I went in for the first night and I met this girl, Milena, who's got this fiery red hair and she was so spazzy and wonderful (laughs) and nice and we were also doing burlesque solos that night and we just really vibed and she was like do you want to hang out with me like I have another gig after this with my husband and you can just come along and I was like I don't have any friends here like I'll go along for the ride and her and her partner Hampus do like this beautiful aerial act and um, I hung out with them for one night we got burgers that was kind of it the end and then a couple months go by and we were like in contact and she's like I'm in the show called Blanc de Blanc. It like tours Australia. Would would you be interested in that? I think you'd be a really good fit. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I guess like sending my stuff. And so she sent my stuff to the director, and he was just like, I I love her look. And Scott and I talked for a while, and he was like, yeah, like would love to have you on board. I actually want to put you in my new show, Blanc de Blanc Encore. And so I was like, I literally booked this job after meeting this wonderful person once. And I was in shock the entire time during creation. And I was like, how did I get here? Yeah. And are you both this is where I can. This is actually very uh, typical for this job. You go from one gig, you meet this person, and then this person knows that person. Yes. And like, hey, you, you've been looking for this kind of... Uh, uh, actor or whatever dancer I know someone so and Milina and Hampus are people who work with the same company since a couple of years in different shows also and yeah so it's funny to yeah. see the connections and how you get from one thing to another absolutely you know? it's it a is. very classic yeah, thing it in is. as well it is now I wanted to ask both of you in the in the show um, and you do put this in the disclaimer so nobody can be surprised it is there's a lot of nudity in the show um, <laughs> as I said to you I was sitting on the side I also saw the towel routine from the side um, and I can tell you there is there is no modesty stickers anywhere <laughs> um, so how do you a lot of people want to ask how do you sort of get around that in your head when you when you have to get up in front of you know if you stopped and thought about it and, and someone said to you 10 years ago you're going to get up naked in front of 600 people a night um, you know in all of your glory uh, with a whole load of people who are going to do the same mm. so what's your mindset going into that oh my god I was so against the towel dance <laughs> I was like I'm a burlesque dancer the whole point is that we're not naked <laughs> and that it's a tease the entire time but um, it's actually quite funny. So we were trying to find little shortcuts our first season of how we can not be naked being naked. Yep. And so, um, who was it? Caitlin and I were like, let's just wear these G-strings with the clear straps yes. on the side. And so we did it for one show in Sydney, and we literally got shamed in a review. And they were like, why are these girls doing a naked dance and they're not even naked? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Like, like we really have to do it now. Oh, God, I guess you just kind of, like, get on with it, and you really do your best in the routine to not show anything. Yep. And I we, I, th- I think I've maybe had, like, a couple slip-ups, but other than that, like, I think you just nail it really hard, and yeah. you're just, like, keep laughing it off the entire time. But yeah. But it's, it's nerve-wracking every night, to yeah. be honest. There's a, there's a funny psychologic thing, actually, to this. Like, I 
the, this my my penis slapping act was exactly that. It was yeah. the first time I was completely naked and just covered this part, but they, this thing dropped sometimes. Everything. Yes. So there's so much that can go wrong. And then there's other parts in the show where we clearly are completely naked mm. and there's no towel. I'm standing beside my host partner, Felix, and we are both completely naked. And um, I think to be naked together on stage uh, is is much easier. You're not alone, you know, the yeah. eyes are not 100% on you. But there's a way to look back at the audience and make them feel ashamed for this situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they stare at us blankly. When, I like this, like this, this specific moment with Felix where really like we were in a towel together and someone pulls the towel away yes. and we're standing, yep. uh, we're standing behind each other. I'm, I'm pulling him like really close to me so that nobody can see my genitals and he's covering his genitals and this the music stops and it's a very embarrassing moment yep. actually but I look at Felix like it's so funny because most of the people are like they're, they're like they close their <laughs> eyes they have their I don't know how to yeah. describe this cringy yeah. cringy and we're like look they feel like she's more ashamed than we do and absolutely so we yeah. turn it around and the towel dance with this beautiful naked completely naked people it's exactly that they're all together and they're like come on yeah. let's do it yeah so there's a solidarity to it as yes. well and i think that um you know you had you guys have my my respect because you you get up there and you are just um you know having so much fun with it you you're obviously a tight team and uh and yeah it's it challenges people's prudity i guess in that they, you know, if they're sitting there going, oh, mm. you know, um, you know, maybe, you know, like, I don't know, uh, try some lingerie on your next <laughs> date night or something, you know. It might it sort of, it's it's all about fun and loosening up and, and um, you know, getting rid of your inhibitions and, and you know. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get also all kind of offers after the show. Oh, Some wow. people are so excited after the show. We had, uh, I don't know if I can say this. I yeah, wanted to start a group chat where we just dropped our weird DMs that we get all yeah. the time. We get like, we get that literally people coming up like, hi, my name is this, this is my boyfriend. What are you doing tonight? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what about you come with us? And in, in all directions, in all constellations. So it's pretty, yeah. pretty fun. So I, I can imagine, like the thing is, like we are so long in the show we sometimes forget how sexy and and beautiful the show looks like i i because we are so into it mm-hmm. that I like we, we say it sometimes back said i would love to watch the show just watch the show mm. completely which we cannot because we need to be in it yeah but i can imagine when you sit there and you have a, a friday night out and you have a couple of drinks and with your friends or girlfriend or husband or whatever that you're like turned on after for sure. Well, I told you it worked yeah. for me. Um, so, and here we are, I mean, three, we've heard three years later. Working with people in the audience as well. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had to be kicked out for like some naughty things they were doing in the audience. Oh, dear. Like, At oh, least yeah. we're getting a good response. Yes. Look, I think, I think they're really with you, you know? <laughs> I think yeah. that's what that speaks to. And I've just thought of a new segment for After Dark. We'll have you on once a month and you start that group text and we'll read them out. Oh, my God, Kenny. <laughs> I would so be down. Guys, I thank you so much for joining us on After Dark. It's been absolutely amazing. You are amazing performers in your own right and as a collective, and I have loved every minute of Blanc de Blanc. I really hope to get back before it closes. I want to see it again. If you haven't got your tickets, please do yourself a favour, get one. Skylar and Remy, thanks so much for joining me on After Dark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Sometimes cheeky, always fun. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store, Hamilton. Now time to get the draws to a close for another week once again, dear listener. I hope that you've been inspired and motivated to go and see Blanc de Blanc all through April in Civic Park. Make sure you get onto it. We are heading into Easter, so may you all make like rabbits with your time off. I'll see you same bat time next week. I'm Louise Wilkinson, and you've been listening to After Dark. Grab your wine, put your headphones on and relax. It's time to rip open the cover of the sealed section and delve deep. But be warned, it's adults only. It's After Dark with Louise Wilkinson from 8pm every Thursday night, only on Newcastle Live Radio. Brought to you by Flirt Adult Store Hamilton.